my name is Maddie and I'm a second year creative producing student at East 15 Acting School in Southend. I've lived here most of my life and absolutely love history. My two friends, Serena and Eli, are not originally from this area but they were keen to find out more. So I sent them on a quest to find out interesting things about Southend and the surrounding areas and thus Hearing Back was born. Over the next couple of weeks we'll each be bringing a topic to the metaphorical table to discuss and find out something new and hopefully interesting. And what have you been looking at this week, Eli? So this week I was looking at Falness Island, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, which is the like the easternmost island on the estuary, like on the northern side. So it's sort of southeast Essex. Closest town is Great Wakering. But basically, Falness has a couple interesting things about its history. Number one, I guess the first thing I'll talk about in terms of its history is its unusual name, uh, which mm. actually comes from the old English Fuglanes, which actually means bird headland. So fowl, as in foulness, oh. is wild. Wild okay. fowl and actually turned into the idea like the foulness nest meaning uh, basically like a raised land as people saw more and more birds landing there and stuff like that and that's basically how it got its name that's interesting it makes a lot of sense actually when you actually stop and think about it mm -hmm. yeah no it's not because it's foul yeah it's because it has foul on it it's actually very beautiful <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah there's actually two reasons that people aren't allowed there like it's got I think like 150 residents there year-round but basically most of the time people aren't allowed to go on the island without special permission portions of it are under the 1911 to 1939 secrets act and so photography and firearms are all forbidden which is you know odd in and of itself it's kind of a unique area in terms of it was sort of used for military testing but another reason that you're not allowed to go there is because of the fowl themselves the birds it's actually home to a bunch of rare birds because of the fact that it's so unpopulated and because of the fact that people don't go there so so it's actually dangerous for the birds if we go out there and disturb their nesting. You know, there's like 60 different species of migratory fowl that all land there because it's like a perfect habitat for them. Oh my goodness, never knew that. Uh, it was about the uh, official secrets act though. My grandma used to work on the island and she had to sign the official secrets acts. I don't know how well she did with it, but um, <laughs> I, I know that she definitely did have to sign it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. The, the whole island is actually owned by the Ministry of Defense, like more specifically the Kinetic Company. The reason for that is because like before 1922, there was no access to the island. So they actually used it as a shell testing site for like a long, long period of time for the past hundred years. When I was at school, actually, I went to Southern High School for Girls, which is in South Church, down South Church Boulevard, which isn't really close to Shuba and Great Wakering, but it's not a million miles away. They used to test the bombs and I would particularly notice it when we were in a biology lesson because our tables used to shake <laughs> whilst we were actually in class. We'd be like, oh, bombs are going off again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually this big period of time at which the island itself flooded and the island lost over 90% of its land value. And basically, after all of these farms on the island lost their land value, they were all bought up by larger farming corporations. And so now the island's only home to five large farms, basically. Um, so there's only five companies that operate on the entire area. And it's quite a large island, actually. Yeah, they do a yearly bike ride there. I've been quite a few times. My granddad goes every year. He's an avid cyclist, unlike myself. And you go past all the farmlands and some of the houses around there and it is beautiful but it's a shame because everyone they're not reselling their houses they're being bought up by the MOD so the population is declining <laughs> <laughs> also an interesting thing is I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it but the broomway 
which is basically this sort of like muddy path is actually an official public right of way. And it's not paved at all. It's basically just a quote bridle way, which is just sort of a bunch of rocks in a line. And it's been used since 1850. And it's basically just like a muddy space of land that's technically a public path, but it's actually underwater half the time. Um, so I doubt you're going to find any other place in the world where you have an underwater public path. <laughs> and that's what you quite often find is those ancient bridle ways. They're there for people to use and come and go when they like which sometimes creates problems later on when they want to sell pieces of land hmm, yeah i think there used to be at the end of the first world war the military owned like a large portion of the island but they didn't own the church there used to be a school and a mission hall and a post mill which was basically this giant windmill that was on the end of foulness so there used to be a whole town there but after the military bought it they demolished it all yeah well it had like it had over a thousand people in the 1800s wow. yeah 200 houses and well if you think about it the whole area is pretty fertile land because it's the estuary it's built up silt it's the size of south end in terms of like area so you'd expect it to have a ton of people considering south end in the same space as over a hundred thousand people i do recall somewhere that they were looking out that way at one point about whether they'd put the third london airport out towards that part of the coast yeah there was actually people made fun of the talks because someone actually once suggested that they should put it on the end of the pier um <laughs> And that you take the train out, you, you, they'd connect the train line, to, like the, the national rail service to the train on the pier. And then you would take airplanes from the end of the pier because it would be right out in the middle of the estuary, which wasn't the worst idea in the world because it's basically far away from everyone and it's super shallow. But yeah, there were a bunch of different proposals, including building an entirely new island off the coast of Foulness and then also putting the airport itself on Foulness because, you know, it's military owned. But in the end, they decided on basically just expanding South End Airport itself and turning it into London's. South End Airport, even though it's like an hour and a half from London. <laughs> Very misleading, yeah. yeah. But it's probably better that they didn't do that because of the birds to protect them. Yeah, not to mention the fact that if you build an airport in an area that has a lot of birds, the birds still land there and bird strikes are a main danger to aircraft. So mm. like historically, there's actually an airport in Canada that employs a dog that runs around the airports and chases the birds away from the, <laughs> from the airstrip so that they don't fly <laughs> into the engines. <laughs> The birds do like the mudflats that those estuary waters um, mm -hmm. leave behind. So it sort of has a two-pronged approach, really, having that little bit of land there. It's part of like the Sustainable Conservation of Wetlands Act and all that kind of stuff. It's basically like there are only certain things you're allowed to build. And because it's such a endangered space, it means that you can't develop it. So there's a big reason why they wouldn't have put an airport there, uh, especially considering South End Airport already kind of exists. <laughs> Maddie, what did you look at this week? What did you research? So I've been looking at smugglers, specifically in and around Leon C. It was often around Lee and places like that because it was on the way to London. So there would be illegal keys dotted up the estuary. And they'd also use the Crouch and Roach estuaries to get to the northern part of the area. But the ones in Lee were the most used. There were actually 18th century smugglers markets in Rayleigh, Hadley, Leon C and South End. So people weren't shy, they were taking their wares everywhere. <laughs> and a few key locations and hotspots. Canby Island, which is, as we mentioned in our previous episode, which is just a few miles away from Rayleigh, Lee and Hadley. For centuries it was just seen as like a glorified mud flat. So smugglers would go about their business and the only people would be there wouldn't be people, they'd be sheep. So <laughs> they, could, they could go about pretty freely. That didn't last very long because when the Dutch were invited to come 
come and build the seawall that soon put an end to that hmm. um, so Corringham which is four miles south of Basildon there were winding creeks of the fobbing marshes which made it a little bit more dangerous but not many people really went round there a lot of the loot that they would get in that particular area would be spirits usually quite high quality from Holland and France hmm. the Bull Inn pub in Corringham is said to have sunken chambers underneath which Whoa. was to be the hiding places for illicit goods. Jeez, that's intense. And Hadley, which is very close to Lee, there is the ruins of the 13th century Hadley Castle, which, yeah, it's basically just a couple of walls and a bit of foundation. There's nothing really there now. But the high point of the castle made a really good vantage point for the shore. So the smugglers could send messages to each other by using a lantern and shining that as to whether it was safe or dangerous to be doing stuff like that. (laughs) There were rumours that the castle had been adapted to suit the intentions of the smugglers. So this is a quote from a book that was written in 1824, and it's called A Guide to South End. So the quote... Yeah. It is said that there formerly existed a subterraneous passage from the castle to the bed of the river, but its mouths are now stopped up and little or no traces of it to be found. Lee is seen as great advantage as well as the estuary of the Thames and distant hills of Kent. There was a little bit about the Peterboat, but not that much. So the Peterboat pub is very well known to those locally, especially (laughs) on summer's days. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's lovely on a day like today down there, right on the seafront that is. The main building of that actually dates back to the 1700s. there was a fire, so it did have to be rebuilt. But it said that there was a passageway from what is now Lee Library, which is right up, up the massive hill on the Broadway. There was a passage all the way down from there to the Peterboat. And at the time, Lee Library was used as the nearby church's rectory. And there was a cellar in there where they would store and stash goods and they'd take it down that passage down the hill to the Peterboat. But I did some digging and I found two very very, very interesting women. So one of them was called Mother Gregson. Oh. You know what's coming? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and she was I, 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 I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so her name was Mother Gregson and she was a female tobacco smuggler from Lee. And this is around the 1840s. And basically she only employed young boys. So when the ship stocked, she would get the boys to distribute all the tobacco to merchants in London and these merchants would give forged invoices so whenever the customs people came around she had the paperwork and flashed that in front of them and she got away with it for years and never got caught I guess because the boys were so sweet and innocent looking they didn't look twice but eventually through doing this she retired and bought a shop in Barking East London but at that time it was still part of Essex wow that's crazy (laughs) yeah yep and she was like a mother to all the boys. Basically a female Fagin from Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. There was also another very interesting woman called Elizabeth Little. Her dates were 1805 to 1898. Again, this is around the 1840s. She had a draper's shop in Old Lee, right by the Peterboat, where she sold silk, lace and gin, as you do. Ah, the classic (laughs) silk, lace and gin store. (laughs) In case you need to repair your stockings and then... Yeah. <laughs> 
Although most of her wares were contraband. So <laughs> Wow. All right. But she was actually a really good sailor. So she would actually sail to various parts of Europe and pick things up herself. And there's one night where she sailed from Ostend and the Coast Guard saw this ship coming and she knew that he was onto her. So what she told her crew to do was stop off at the really shallow waters of Shoebury. And they were all like, no, you're mad. Don't do that. She was like, no, this is what we're doing it's happening so during the chase from the coast guard her brother was injured it wasn't a fatal injury or anything like that but in shoebury she got her crew to empty out the ship got her brother in a coffin wrapped herself in a black shawl and started pretending to cry in her laces and was driving the carriage herself people on the street were stopping and taking off their hats and bowing in respect and actually her brother was fine and all of her loot was just in the back of the carriage so the crew <laughs> sailed through with an empty ship and they weren't suspected wow damn yeah. <laughs> But there is another pub down Audley. This one's called the Crooked Billet, and it was a huge place where smuggling went on. Last week, I sort of found some bits and pieces about witches, and so I thought I'd follow on this week with Southend Ghosts. Fact or fiction, urban myth or fairy tale, whatever you want to see witches as. And last week, Maddie brought the Curzel to the table, and in there, security and cleaning staff have seen a lady wearing a green coat who has been attributed to the music and the lights being turned on and off all by themselves. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so one security guard reported hearing footsteps and a lone cleaner got very upset one evening there after hearing a frightened voice shout out, leave me alone. Ooh, oh, I, I almost want like spooky music playing. Yeah. <laughs> so the pier mm -hmm. was uh, from the 19th century and a policeman spotted a tall man back in 1992 on the pier running down and went in pursuit of the man. And when he got to the bottom where it was all cordoned off because there'd been a fire down there, the man just suddenly disappeared. And it was quite strange for a policeman to then come back and report this sighting on the end of the pier and we're just coming back round into the Shubriness garrison and that having a long history has been an army garrison town mm. it does have some paranormal sightings recorded there and most of them have all been to do with mirrors and that people have been seen in mirrors no reason as to why they've been in the mirrors and some of the homes in the garrison they felt people breathing on them similar stories all happening around the same area Ooh, Ooh. that's kind of chilling about the mirrors though yeah, yeah honestly and then of course the palace theater yes extremely haunted and that opened back in the early 20th century and was run by a manager called George and difficulties happened with finances in the theater and the story goes that George took his life one evening and so now in the auditorium when there's a play on there have been reports of somebody appearing in that empty seat and a strong smell of tobacco and it's quite a distinctive tobacco which is the old Hoban variety so people have smelt smoke in a place where people don't smoke anymore 
anymore. It's um, actually particularly up on the fly floor. For those who don't know much about theatre, the fly floor is above the stage where cloth sets would be put in. And usually very strong gentlemen would be pulling sets up and down using ropes. So it's actually very, very tall. Quite a few people have said that they've smelt the smoke up there. There are two stories that multiple people have said. So one of them is the pianist in the pit. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's nobody down there at all, but a piano can be heard playing. And another one, a sighting happened to the daughter of somebody that I know, and her dad was there as well. And she turned to her dad and said, Daddy, who's that woman in the box? And quite a few people have said there is a lady on the stage right first box, because there are two boxes in the first box. Yep. So once a theatre-goer, always a (laughs) theatre-goer. But the most fascinating one I found was about a ghost in Gordon Road. And apparently a house on Gordon Road was reported to be alarmingly cold near the rear of the property and more so in the back bedroom. And when a family moved in, a man, his partner and daughter Charlotte, the man was sitting in the lounge one day after he'd been at a funeral and his partner wasn't in the room and nobody else was in the room. And then he thought, you know, somebody coming down the stairs and along the hallway and going into another room behind him and then suddenly nobody was in the room he felt a tap on his shoulder but no one was there and the man's partner came into the room looking quite white and deathly pale so they'd seen something that wasn't quite right either and they just couldn't work out what they'd seen or whether they'd actually really seen anything and then their daughter Charlotte suggested it may have been the little girl who (gasps) likes to play wow Yeah, so the little girl was described with blonde hair, about 10 years old. And apparently, Charlotte said that she used to be quite frightened of the little girl. But when she realised that she was happy all the time and just wanted to play and have fun, Charlotte started to ignore her. Oh my goodness. But it's quite interesting because there's been other sightings of a similar young lady, also in Ashburnham Road, which is not far, and it is in the centre of South End. So whether this little girl has lived in more than one house in the area or just visited those houses, she certainly still makes herself a presence still known in the area. Ooh, yeah. Um, Note to self not to buy any houses around there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised though, because around there it's all Victorian and Edward houses so they are pretty old if you were to have ghosts anywhere that would probably be the location to have it i guess <laughs> yeah i mean um there's other stories in the town there's one about the queensway underpass and about a homeless man who lost his life in that area and nicknames being given of the rat man All of this was recorded on Zoom, so apologies for the mic quality. But thanks for listening and join us next week to find out what else we discover about Southend.